Thank you, team. To God be the glory for the great things he has done. I, I hope that you are taking time on a regular basis to not only look at who God is, but to take an inventory of what he has done. And Jesus asked his disciples after he washes their feet, they were arguing on the way to that meal, and, and Jesus was washing their feet. And he says, do you even understand what I have done for you? It's hard to give him glory for the things he's done if you've not noticed what he's done. And what good is that praise if you're not really understanding what it is he's doing? And so today we have already been sitting at Jesus' feet looking to who he is. We have been looking at what he has done and trying to join him in that. And now we want to turn to his word and listen to what he has to say to us. Would you take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, put one finger there, and then Proverbs uh, chapter 3 will be there as well uh, in just a few moments. As you're turning to those passages of Scripture, I, I want to talk today about taking inventory. Now, it's kind of awkward to talk about that because I don't really like taking inventory in, in a lot of areas in life. In fact, one of the reasons that I'm pretty much banned from doing grocery shopping in our household is because I don't want to take the time to do inventory. I mean, who wants to waste time going to the pantry and making a list of what it is you don't have and you know, just go and get what you want? And if you're there and, and you're at the, the, the grocery store and you see the things that you're hungry for, just put it in the basket and buy it. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you have extra. Well, that's how you get six jars of peanut butter for three people in one house. It's, it's way beyond what it is that you need. But, yeah, my wife is amen. Ushers, <laughs> uh, we have a problem up here in the front row. Would you help me? Uh, it's not just that you have extras. Then you find that there's things that you need that you didn't get, and, and it was a misuse of the resources you have, and so taking inventory can be helpful even if I don't really like doing it. Taking inventory is something I expect of others. If you would be so lucky to have lunch from the wonderful food establishment of Chipotle, if you were to order correctly and you would get the rice and chicken bowl i mean you get a bed of rice then you get the brown beans and then you get all the veggies and then you get the chicken and then you say go back and add extra corn and then put the hot screaming salsa on there and then the cheese oh it's so good i can hungry i can taste it right now and if you would get that to go and they'd put it in the bag and you go and you get to the park where you're going to have lunch and there's no fork and there's no napkin somebody didn't do inventory you look at this beautiful bowl of food and you have nothing to eat it with, it's going to get messy. You could use your hands, you could just stick your face in it and eat it like a dog, but that's not what's intended. And, and so when, when someone else doesn't take inventory, it can, it can aggravate you because what was needed was not accounted for. We not only see that sometimes it's things that we, we don't do because we don't like it, it's others who don't do that, but but sometimes it's more than just getting messy. I told you last week about a trip that Carrie and I went on with her students uh, to Europe this year. Well, she does those trips often, and two years ago she did the same trip. I wasn't with her, and, and she had given the students a checklist of all the things they needed to bring, an inventory, if you will, of what needs to be with you to go on this trip. I mean right down to the detail. You know, don't forget deodorant. Don't forget change of clothes. Don't forget all these things. Bring all this stuff with you. And they get to the airport in Chicago. It's Go time. And one of the students discovers that even though she's been reminded over and over and over again, she does not have her passport with her. Now at that point, it doesn't matter what your intentions are. It doesn't matter how often you thought about it. It doesn't matter if you show your checklist and say, well, I, I had it at one point. You don't have it now. Journey over. 
you don't get to go. Well, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that I believe today we're going to start this series that we're going to look at how important it is for us to take inventory of this critical area in our life. Look with me at Matthew chapter 25. I'll be reading verse 14 through 30 in the New Living Translation. You follow along silently as I read aloud with the device you have in your hand. Navigate there. Let's look at it together. Jesus is speaking. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, divided in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant who had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why wouldn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they have been given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, utter darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Heavenly Father, we come to you now, and it's our desire to hear from you, to hear from your Spirit, to hear from your Son speak to us. And Lord, we know that as Jesus gave this parable, this story, first to those in the New Testament, but also now to us, I pray, Lord, that you'll not just stir up some kind of thought in us, but would you begin to lead us to the change that you hunger for us. It's in your name, Jesus, that we give our attention to your word. To that we say, let it be so. Amen and amen. With that passage in mind, I ask you the question, on what basis do you evaluate how you are doing? On what basis do you evaluate what is better in your life? On what basis do you evaluate what your priorities should be? I want to look at the first word of this title of this series that we're kicking off today. It's right from the beginning. You're getting on the ground floor of this. It's entrusted. What will he find you doing? 
Looking at that first word, entrusted, it's a synonym for stewardship. Without this word, we would not be able to evaluate how we were doing. Without this understanding of what we've been entrusted, we would not be able to determine what is better, what our priorities should be, if we don't know what has been given to us and whose it is. See, to be entrusted means to be given responsibility for something that belongs to someone else. Think about this. How you think about your relationship with what you possess, that will determine how you evaluate your life. What, what you think about the relationship you have with the things that you possess, that will determine how you evaluate your life. In other words, there, there are these mindsets we can have about the things that we feel like we possess, that are ours, things that are really entrusted to us, whether we acknowledge it or not, we have different mindsets. The first mindset could be that of an owner. The owner mindset often says things like this. It's mine. I own it. It is mine. I am responsible for it. But surely I'm not accountable to anybody for it because it's mine. I can do whatever I want to with it. The orange avalanche in the parking lot is mine. I can clean it. Or not, most often not. I can change the oil, or sometimes not. None of your business. It's mine. I own it. I'm responsible for it, but I'm not accountable to you for it. It is mine. I could uh, address the squeak in the back wheel, or not. As my brother Lane was trying to help me out this week, uh, I I didn't act on it. It's, it's, It's mine. I'm responsible for it, but I'm not accountable to you for it. It is mine. That's the attitude of the mindset of an owner. Another attitude or mindset we could have is that of a customer. The customer would say things like this. I don't own it. I'm not responsible for it, and surely I'm not held accountable. Now, see, the owner, we often think in those mindsets of our money. It's mine. I'll do whatever I want to with it. But, but this customer mindset often is how we think about people in our life, relationships with others, even our relationship with the Lord. I'm not my brother's keeper. I, I don't own them. I'm not responsible for that relationship. Surely I won't be held accountable for that relationship. But there's a, a third mentality of how we can think about what's entrusted to us. It's the stewardship mentality. It's... The mind that says, it's not mine, but I am responsible for it. And I will be held to account for what has been entrusted to me. See, what this passage of scripture says that we just read, Jesus is trying to tell us that we need to have this mentality of the steward. See, this mentality of stewardship, this idea that it's not mine, but I am responsible for it. It's not mine, but I will be held to account for what I do with it. And Jesus says in the NIV, he says, it's, it's like, and then he goes on and tells a story. He paints a picture. In essence, Jesus is saying, okay, guys, go with me on this. Just listen to this story. This is what it is like to think and to live for my kingdom. You'll have a different mindset. You're not the owner. You're not a customer. You are a steward. You have been entrusted with much. See, we've been entrusted with the master's property. So there's only one mentality that can be right, and that is the mentality of a steward. I, you, we are entrusted with God's gifts, and we are called to trust him with 
those gifts. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Trust is the single most important factor in any relationship. Our relationship with others and our relationship with God. You and I are entrusted with much to trust God with what he's given to us. Now, if you have your finger there in Proverbs 3, go ahead and navigate or turn to that. We're going to look at Proverbs 3, 1 through 10. Some of this passage will seem very familiar to you. It's, it's a very popular passage of Scripture. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your hearts. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. See, I think that every single one of us, we come to a place where we ask this very simple but yet profound question. It's this place where we maybe recognize what we've been entrusted with, but even if we don't fully get that, we ask this question without fail. We all come to this question, can I really trust God? Can I, can I really trust God with my life? I mean, it's one thing to say he, he's entrusted it to me, he's given it to me, but no matter what mindset I'm in, can I trust him with my life? Can I really trust God with my job, with my career? Can I really trust God with my family? Can I really trust God with my money? Can I really trust God with my deepest, darkest fears? Can I really trust God with my health? You see, all of us come to this place where there is a line drawn in the sand and either we are saying, yes, I choose to trust you, God, with what's been entrusted to me, or no, I don't. And friends, for those who come to the place where they say, yes, God, I will trust you with what you have entrusted me with, you are on a path for spiritual growth. Your faith will increase. You'll begin to see that he deepens you. You will go on this amazing adventure. But just like this passage was very, very harsh, Jesus didn't tell very politically correct stories. Not very many of them earned him great rapport with everyone. It had a point, a sharp edge. It had some offensive things there in it. Friend, if you come to the place where there's a line in the sand and the question is posed to you, will you trust God with what's been entrusted to you? And you say no. You're on a very different path. And at its least, you will not be able to live the life that God has dreamed for you. You're saying no to his first, his second, his third, and you're settling for his tenth and 192nd plan for your life. And, and he says, wait a minute, this is not about me wanting to take something from you. This is about me wanting to give something to you. We'll talk more about that in just a few moments. 
See, I, I want to give us some handles, not only today, but over the next five weeks as we look at this series, Entrusted, What Will He Find You Doing? We're going to look at an acronym that's very commonly used by pastors. It's an acronym of TRUST. And we're not just going to study some acronym, but we're going to look at what God's Word has to say to us about trusting Him with what's been entrusted to us. I think to help us, I want us to look at that all of these in this acronym right now, and then we'll just key in on one today and we'll continue on. I need to let you know, I probably should have said at the beginning, today is more of a teaching than a preaching time, and, and the table is going to be set here the next couple of minutes for us to feast. Now, we're going to eat some today, but there is preparation. The spoon and the fork and the knife and the napkin and the, what's that big thing? I think it's the charger and then the plate goes on top and I try to eat on those chargers once you get in trouble for doing that. You can't do that. And, but it's all set perfectly and, and then you have the, the, the salad that comes out and then you have the, the next course that comes out and, and then the, the, the main dish and, and then you have the dessert and it's so good. But there's a preparation and the Lord wants to prepare your heart and my heart today to receive what it is he has. So let's walk through some of this preparation together. We're going to look over the next five weeks over this acronym of trust. It's first, take inventory. We need to be able to take inventory, ask ourselves this bottom line question, do I really trust God in all the areas of my life? Second, we need to recognize God as our source. Until we realize that he is the source of everything, it doesn't matter how much inventory you take, you can't move on until you recognize he's the giver of everything. Third, we'll understand his principles. Understand his principles of how he has called us to live with what he's entrusted to us. And then, and only then, can we come to the fourth where we surrender everything to God. Once we understand what he has put in place, the next step is to surrender to him. And finally, this is the one place in the Bible that tells us to do this, we are to test God's promises. He says, test me in this. See if you can outgive me. See if you can out-invest in my kingdom. See if, if you cannot trust me with everything I've given to you. I will prove faithful to you over and over and over. Well, this morning I want us to take a few moments to look at this first thought of taking inventory. As I promised, it's not just some acrostic, though it's commonly used all over the place by pastors. It's rooted in God's Word. I want you to listen to some biblical evidence of why this is true for us. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see, this is a clear biblical call for us to take an inventory, to say, Lord, would you search me? Would you wade through all the things in my life? And if there's anything that's of offense to you, would you point it out? The first part of trusting God with what he has entrusted to us is to take stock and look at how things are actually going. Well, where does that start? How do we get going with that? What does it take to get started? If, if I'm motivated to do this, if this is what God is calling me to do, how do I start in this? A first thought is this. Only God knows everything in your heart. Only God knows everything about you. As we look at the psalmist here, he's declaring, Lord, I don't even know what's in the depths of my heart. Would you search me? I need you to dig out the things that are offensive to you in me. Help me see. Only you see me perfectly, Lord. It also starts with an understanding that only God can lead me correctly. 
Some of us in a message like this, it strikes our personality in a good way, and we go, good, ten steps to fix this problem. I'm going to work harder. I'm going to be smarter. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to grip my teeth. I'm going to grin and bear it, and I will be a faithful steward of what's entrusted to me. We're missing the whole thing. Only God can lead you to the right path. It's not how hardworking you are. It's not how dedicated you are. It's not even how sincere you are. The psalmist says, search me and know me, God. Only you can lead me to the right path. That prepares us for this third thought, how we get started. See, taking inventory and trusting God with what's been entrusted to us It really begins, even though we're dependent on Him, we have to have Him, it begins with you and me. We initiate this cry for searching our heart. The Lord will not force you in this. We have to come to the place to say, Jesus, I want to initiate it now. Would you search me? Would you find any wicked way in me, God? Would you point out anything offensive? I want you to help me take inventory. That's where it starts. We look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding, but seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you which path to take. There's a part for you and I to play, and I believe a part that Jesus wants to call us to this very day. Well, that's where it starts. I think we'd be amiss if we didn't take some time at the beginning when the table is being set for us to feast on what Jesus wants to do over the next four or five weeks. We need to look at how grand and how encompassing this is what is included in this teaching jesus gives about what's entrusted to us or a teaching on stewardship once we see what jesus is saying there's really only one right mentality to have and that's to have the mentality of being a steward of what he has given to us for the kingdom of god once we see that we are not owners we are not customers we are stewards we can see what's included it starts with the stewardship of our heart. Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now, often we don't think about this when we talk about stewardship or what's entrusted to us. We don't really think about stewardship of our heart. But friend, it's a very key category. Everything else comes out of this. You have been given a heart. You've been given a soul. You've been given a center to your being. How well do you guard what God has given to you? Out of your heart flows it's this wellspring of life. We're going to talk about how to take some inventory in that, but as you begin to think of, of how is your heart and, and are you trusting God with what's been entrusted to you in your heart, you can ask yourself this question. What do you saturate yourself with? What do you love? What is your treasure? Scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Well, I don't know what I treasure. Then ask yourself, what do you protect? What is so worth protecting is something you treasure. What is it that you cling to? The Lord says, we are to be good stewards of our hearts. We're going to talk more about that in the weeks to come. But for now, know that your heart is part of this, what's been entrusted to you. Second, we see stewardship of our body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. The owner says, what? Yes, I do. This is my hand. 
this is my face. This is my lack of hair, and this is my lunch muscle. It is all mine. What do you mean it's not mine? Your body, regardless of what you think of it, it is a gift given to you by the Lord. Some of you say, well, maybe I want to give this back. It's not quite working the way I want to. Hey, friend, I'm not trying to make light of the pain or the things that you're walking through. But even in the bodies that are afflicted the most with suffering here today, your body is a living miracle of God's gift in your life. What does it mean for us to be a good steward of our body? How do you treat your body? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do you treat it the right way? I love how Pastor Andy Stanley talks about this concept. He often uh, highlights the two pitfalls, the, the, the ditch on one side of the road and the ditch on the other side of the road that we shouldn't be in. He says often people are body worshipers or body neglectors. Now often you don't have both problems. Some of you say, I've never worshipped a body a day in my life. I, I don't lift up my body at all. Well, you neglect your body. It's for some. Others... I don't neglect my body. I worship this body. I like how Pastor Andy Stanley talks about how we are to worship God with our body, but not to worship it and not to neglect it. We'll talk more about what it means to be a good steward of the temple of the Holy Spirit. Third, we begin to see that stewardship of our time is included. Ephesians 5.15, So be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Friend, every one of us have been given 24 hours in a day. Now, I was talking with a friend this week. I think it would be a good idea for us to eradicate a, a word from our vocabulary. It's this thought of, I'm busy. Now, I'm not saying that you're not busy. I'm not saying that it's wrong to be busy. But I think in our culture and context, how we say this so often, it's just it's, it's kind of an off-putting thing of, oh, I'm too busy for that, or I've got too much for this. Sometimes when I hear that, I want to ask a person who says it to me, did you, did someone, did you only get like 19 hours today? I know it feels that way, but I'm pretty sure you and I had 24 hours. Both of us. So it's not the question of, did, did I not have enough time? It's, how am I using my time? And the question comes to the focus of, am I being a good steward of what's been entrusted to me? Now, not all of us will have the same amount of days here on this earth, but every single one of us have been given time, and it's not your time. It's the time God has given to you to use for His kingdom. How are you using your time? We also see that we have to have stewardship of our abilities. First Peter 4 10. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve others. You've been given a spiritual gift, talents, and abilities. They are included in this entrusted life that God has blessed you with. How are you using them today? Do you leverage your gifts, your talents, your abilities for your own self-interest? Or do you avoid them? Do you hide them? Do you just play around with your gifts and talents? It's just it's some kind of hobby for your own amusement. Or do you invest them in the kingdom of God? Some of us don't really like to talk about this. What gifts has God given to you? Can you sing? Then sing for God. Oh, I could never do that. Well, you may not come up here and sing, or you may. You could sing anywhere for God. 
Some of you have been gifted with numbers. Could you leverage your skill set with numbers for God? Well, that's not really a gift from God. I went to school. I studied. I did learn. Who gave you the ability to learn that stuff? God blessed you. Could you leverage it for his kingdom, your abilities, your gifts, your talents? He wants to teach us this series how we can do that. But it starts with an honest inventory. What's happening in my gifts and abilities? Fifth, stewardship of your money. Some of you, when you heard me talk about entrusted or stewardship, the first thing you thought was, yep, Pastor Brady's going to talk about money. It'll be money for the next five weeks. Money, money, money. I knew it. That's all churches want to talk about, money. Well, bless you too. You know, I think it's important for us to talk about money because Jesus talked about money so often. But I want to make something very clear, especially if you're new around Grace Point. If you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this, but I want to make something clear. God doesn't need your money. Grace Point doesn't need your money. Some of you, if you've always wanted to say amen in church, that would have been a good place. You could have got excited. But before we get too excited about that, see, God has much deeper plans for you than that. God wants all of you. And he knows the things that we grip so tightly that are so important to us get in the way. And so he calls us to give what's entrusted to us. And hear me clearly, this is not a teaching of what God wants to take from you. It's a teaching of what he wants to give to you in all of these areas, including the resource of our money. Look at Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Whew, good. I'm not wealthy. It's not for me. And with the best part of everything you produce. Oh, well, maybe that's for me. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Friend, if you're here today and you have change in your pocket, you had a meal yesterday, you are going to have a meal today, and you have reason to believe that you'll have a meal tomorrow, you, by the statisticians they tell us, are in the wealthiest group of people in the globe today. This is for us. Much has been given to us. It's been entrusted to us. You're not the owner. You're not the customer. You and I are the stewards of what has been entrusted to us. We also see stewardship, what it includes is relationships. John 13, 34, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Now this is one of those where we're tempted to have the mindset of a customer. When we think about relationships. Oh, my brother's keeper. My family, my friends, my co-workers, the people in my community, I don't own them. I'm not responsible for any of that. I'm surely not going to be held accountable. Friend, you can think that, but you'd be wrong. Now, you can't control what someone does, but you have been entrusted with influence. You've been entrusted with many relationships, and God is asking you, what have you done with what I have given to you? I've given you influence. I've given you a circle of friends. I've given you people that you're in relationship with. Are you leveraging it for my kingdom, or are you hiding it? Are you leveraging it for my kingdom, or using it for your own self-promotion? Are you leveraging it for my kingdom, or do you just use it to meet your own needs? We're going to look at what it means as we take inventory of stewardship of our relationships, and finally, stewardship of the good news. 1 Peter 3.15, Instead, you must worship Christ as your Lord, the Lord of your life, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. 
Psalm 71, 18. Now that I am old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. Friend, if you are a Christian, you are a carrier of the Great Commission, and God has entrusted to you the good news of Jesus. It's not just for you, though it's for you. It's to be a gift to you and through you. It's not just for pastors. Oh, it is my job to share the good news of Jesus, but not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian. It is your job. You've been entrusted with the good news of Jesus. How well are you doing with being a steward of what's been entrusted to you in that area? That's where it starts. That's what's included. But when we hear this, sometimes it can kind of get intense and we can get stuck and say, well, what what next? And we'll talk about some of that in the weeks to come, but I think the Lord has some very tangible, practical things for us to walk through. Four real quickly is this. What do we do next with this information? I'm suggesting that we first focus. Concentrate and meditate on the gifts that God has entrusted to you. If you do not take time to think about these categories, your heart, your body, your influence, your relationships, all these things, if you don't think about them, you'll never maximize them, let alone take inventory of them. When's the last time you've actually focused on what has been given to you? Or do you get confused? His, mine, I don't know. Focus in on what it is. Second, once you begin to focus, begin Don't wait. Just start investing in the kingdom of God with the resources he's given to you. Just do it now. So many of us, we are tempted to try to prepare all this stuff before we begin to invest in the kingdom of God in these areas. I understand personality types like mine, you want to get all your ducks in a row and you want to organize them by height and then you want to alphabetize them. Then you want to paint them colors and then put them in numerical order and you get so ready and you never begin to get off center and do anything. Just begin. Oh, you'll make mistakes. You'll find out that you could have done it better. You'll find out that what you were trying to do, invest in the kingdom, it kind of backfired in this way and it wasn't the best thing. That's okay. Just begin. When you focus on what God has given you, you begin to invest it. Then... You begin to see that you can practice. This is not a one and done thing. This is not, well, good. You know what? I gave money to God in 1980. It was significant. It was good. Practice it. Continue. I gave up my time. I went on the mission trip this year. Seven days of vacation. Down the drain for God. I gave it all. It's so good. I'm done with that. Practice it. Steward the time God's given you over and over and over. You'll begin to see that you could do this better. And guess what? He's not a God with a lightning bolt wanting to zap you. He's saying, hey, hey, let me show you. I've got something so awesome for you. If you would just do this with your body, it'd be better. If you just do this with your time, it'd be better. If you just do this with the good news I've given to you, it could be better. Practice it. He'll begin to draw that out of you. And after you begin to practice it, then he calls you to excel at it. Allow God to help you become a better steward, and then a, a, a good steward, and then a great steward. But don't just stop there. Many people stop there. I believe that a lot of people in this room, you've been living this for a long time. But God's going to call you, as you walk through this evaluation today, and over the next few weeks, He's going to call you to share what it is you have discovered It's even better than excelling at being a good steward, telling someone else, helping someone else, modeling, showing them this best life possible. 
Well, the table is set. And I want to send you out with some food that you can eat not in this room. So as Pastor Edgar comes, we'll wrap up here in just a moment or two. I believe that God has some great things for us in the weeks to come. But before we get to those other aspects of trust that we talked about, I want to actually challenge you, I dare you, to take this inventory this week. So pull out the yellow notes in your bulletin there, even if you're a person who doesn't like to take notes. I think you'll like this take-home gathering. Look at the back of it, and you'll see a challenge that says this, becoming a better steward. I challenge you, each day this week, choose a different aspect of stewardship. So maybe you'll choose your heart today. Tomorrow, maybe you choose your body, and so on. And as you choose that, focus on it. Think about it. And then read the scriptures that are provided. If you don't read all of them, read two or three of them. And then... As you begin to get a sense of what the Lord expects of you and of me in that area, prayerfully ask God for his help to identify your next step of where you should go. So, for example, maybe today you look at your heart and you read some scriptures and and maybe for you, maybe it's an improvement just that you're focusing on your heart. You haven't thought about it in so long, and the Lord says, well done, my servant. You've been focusing on it. And so the next step for you is to begin to invest in his kingdom with what you put in your heart. Or maybe you say, no, I, I've already begun as I read these. This, that sounds good. This is, this is what I've already begun to do. Then do it again. Maybe the next step is to practice it. Make it a part of your lifestyle. Maybe you'll say, you know, it, it's been a part of my lifestyle. I'm not bragging on myself, but the Lord has helped me excel in this. Then, then maybe the next step for you is to share it with someone else. As you take inventory and walk through all this, I believe that as we come to see whose all this is next week, will come with hearts that are actually open to what Jesus wants to do. Now, in 38 seconds, we'll be on our way out of here. But the Lord is drawing a line, and he's saying, will you trust me with what I've entrusted to you? And when you hear it that way, it's kind of silly. I've given you something, Will you trust me with what I've given you? Sure, sure. But part of the wrestling and all that is we need to allow God to put his thumb on our back. Because some of us, it's so tempting to say, oh, good, a series on what we've been entrusted with, a series on stewardship, that's going to be good for my neighbor. I don't need this. How do you know? How do you know where you're at? How do you assess where it is you should be going I suggest to you today that until we understand what's entrusted to us, we could never answer that question. Church, would you stand with me? I want to pray for you, and then Pastor Rex has a a word of announcement for us as well. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. The great attention that you have given them, the ability to have attention to your word, I thank you, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would bring the seeds of this truth back to us again and again this week. And Lord, would you get us in a place not only to take inventory of where we're at and what's been entrusted with us, but Lord, would you help us to see this great blessing of what you want to give to us through us giving back to you what you've entrusted. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Before you take off, listen to some words from Pastor Rex.